Lord Jesus, open our eyes to your glory on this Transfiguration Sunday. Open our hearts to your love. Open our wills to your refining. And open our minds to your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it is uh, great to be back. We've had a great holiday. We got to Canada, uh, to Toronto area to see my mom, who's going to turn 90 in a, in a month. And then uh, we got to uh, Montreal to see some of Jennifer's side of the family. And then we had some time on a lake in uh, the Laurentians. So it was really fun. It's a, a great holiday. It's great to be back. Missed you guys. And uh, I got a chance to go to a lot of different churches, which I'll talk about later, which was really uh, instructive as well. So holidays, hopefully a time to rest. I love that when, when you come back from holidays, you know, when you get a good rest and people say, you look like a new person. So then you got to think, well, is that the real person or is that, which is the real person? Uh, have you seen the Snickers ad on TV? Do you know this Snickers ad? So, you know, somebody's acting like a real jerk and they usually use a movie star to portray that awful person. And then, but what they really just needed was some Snickers and then they become themselves. So today's in the Transfiguration Sunday. We're kind of thinking about who Jesus is as they glimpse his glory, but of course it poses the question to us then, who am I? Uh, if you would take your bulletins out and follow along in the gospel reading, we're gonna look at the gospel reading briefly. Uh, do pray for me because A, I've been off for a few weeks, so I've got all this thing I've been thinking about and I wanna give it to you, and uh, I don't really have a full text, so I'll just, you know, keep going. So, so Luke, uh, they take out, they don't include the first half of the verse. The first half of the verse says, and after eight days, after he said these days, eight days. So it's like Luke saying, I've got a connection to what just happened. So what just happened? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, there's like a point where Jesus, uh, it comes in two parts. The first part is about Jesus in Galilee mainly, and it's about what he taught and his miracles, etc. And then it comes at the end of Luke chapter 9, it says, he sets his face for Jerusalem. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute as well. But th there's that clear distinction. So he's going to Jerusalem to accomplish the work of redemption that he really came to. So what happened? So I wish you had your whole Bibles, but go home and read chapter 9. So up to this point, there's a lot of questions about who Jesus is. So he calms the storm on the lake with his disciples. And they say, who is this that even, even the wind and the waves obey him? He goes to and... Uh, throws out a demon and the demon calls him by name. I know who you are. You're the son of the living God. And then we get a picture of Herod. Herod saying, who is this guy? I thought I beheaded John. It can't be John. Was it Elijah? Was it one of the ancient prophets? I'd like to meet him. And then we have just before this, we have Peter at Caesarea Philippi. By the way, have you seen this? Uh, Father Bates is leading a trip to Israel, and you're going to go to Caesarea Philippi if you're on this trip, and you get to see where some of this happened and where the mount was. And so then Peter, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they give him the same answers that Herod had. Is he John the Baptist? Is he Elijah? Or is he one of the prophets of old? And then Jesus says to his disciples, yeah, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ or the Messiah or the anointed one. And then Jesus says, 
But the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem to be killed and to die. And so we come to this glimpse of glory in the transfiguration. We need to remember it comes right between Jesus saying the Son of Man must go and be killed, rejected and killed. And then right after the transfiguration, he repeats it. So it's like a sandwich. So let's remember that when he's hanging on the cross in all his pain and suffering and humanity, that he is the Son of God in glory. And so we have to remember that as well. Okay, let's look. Verse 28, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Now, it's interesting he takes those people. He will take those same three people when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to get ready for the Passion. And what did they, why were they going up the mountain? And you, you know, those going to Israel probably see that mountain, Mount Hermon. They went up to pray. And while he was praying, he was transfigured. So it's in the midst of this intimacy and communion with God that this happened to him. What happens to us when we pray? I sometimes fall asleep, to be honest. I sometimes start doing my shopping list. I don't expect anything much to happen sometimes when I pray. And maybe it'd be scary if I thought something radical was going to happen. But we begin to see who Jesus really is. So in prayer, do we begin to see who Jesus is and who I really am? And so how has he changed? His appearance of his face has changed and his clothes become dazzling white. And then two men appear with him, Moses and Elijah. Maybe representing the law, Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets coming together. These were two figures that Jewish people felt would make a reappearance just before the end of time. And they appeared in glory. The next verse, we're speaking of his departure. Now, the Greek word is exodus. And so, that which we, he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, he's just told them he's going to Jerusalem to be rejected and killed and die. It's an interesting word to use, isn't it? That he, he would accomplish it. So it wasn't something done to him. It was something that he did, that he took the initiative. And so he was going to accomplish his exodus. Just like Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt to a promised land. So what Jesus is about to do in a similar way is to lead us out of slavery to sin and to ourselves. So then we get this wonderful picture of Peter, kind of awake, kind of asleep. And then it actually says he didn't know what he was saying. Have you ever been like that? <laughs> I have. I'm doing it right now. I don't know what I'm saying. And he says, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings. Let's stay here. Let's prolong the spiritual experience and just stay here. And the word he uses, let's make a tent. Uh, at this morning's uh, children's minute, I asked how many people had made a tent this summer. And uh, it's just really fun. Do you know, I was in the Weston Hotel recently. I don't know why. Starbucks, I think. But there was a poster. So if you rent a room at the Weston Hotel over at Memorial City, you can order the camping experience and they'll put up a little pup tent in your, in your room so you can camp in air conditioning. That's brilliant. I mean, what kid wouldn't want to do that? Uh, one of the things I got to do uh, this summer is go to other churches. Last Sunday, I went across, just across the laneway to Ecclesia. Do you know this little church over here? So it was a Baptist church. It was kind of declining and they decided to give it lock, stock, and barrel, not to us, uh, 
But to another church, church called Ecclesia. So they're starting a new parish there, which is going to be quite an event, I think. Anyway, Chris Say was, is a wonderful preacher. I've gotten to know him. And he said, uh, one thing that struck with me, he said, the church sometimes does three things as a church that really doesn't reflect Jesus and how he did things. The first was we try to fortify ourselves against the world. We're kind of afraid of the world. We don't know what to do with it. So we build these walls and kind of retreat and make a moat and put up the walls. I don't know if you've seen that. There's a church up by Britmore, uh, north of the I-10. It actually looks like a castle. And, and he just said, that's not what it's about. That's not what Jesus did. We didn't make, make dwellings. The other mistake we make because we're kind of afraid of the world, we think we need to dominate it. So we need to have dominance over it. So we come and try to get our way and sing our song and put people in their place because we're kind of afraid. We need to dominate and be in charge and have our way. And the third thing that we try to do, because those kind of don't work usually, uh, is that we assimilate. So we just kind of, well, if you can't beat them, join them, and we become like the world, and the world looks at us, and they don't really see much difference. It seemed to me that Peter kind of exemplified these three wrong approaches before... <laughs> First of all, to, in terms of fortifying, Peter said when he sees Jesus' glory, he says, let's stay here. Let's build a tent. Let's prolong it. When Jesus is about to be arrested, he takes out his sword and tries to cut off somebody's ear to try to have his way and win the battle that way. And then when that doesn't work and they arrest Jesus and he goes away, of course, Jesus says, or Peter says, I don't know that guy. I'm just going to slip into the background. No, I know I have the same accent but I don't know him. None of those three things works. None of it exemplifies what Jesus did when he came. He came in a so he was incarnated, left heaven to be with us, went into the, uh, in the midst of the people, in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of the conflict, and touched people. Does it strike you that once, once or twice he healed people from a distance, but he didn't, uh, and so he didn't have to touch people, but so many times when he healed them, he would touch them, lay his hands on them. Let's continue on in the verse then. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed him, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud, and then the voice comes. It's interesting, it's really a strong emotion. They were terrified. They come into a cloud comes over them and they hear the voice. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. It's very much reminiscent of major characters of the Old Testament. This is my son, kind of referring to David and the kingship. My chosen, looking at the servant of the Lord from Isaiah, who suffered and died. And listen to him, re referring to Moses, the prophet of God. Moses who said, another prophet like me will arise. Listen to him. And then the voice was, uh, when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one. So it's about who Jesus is. He is the Son of God, affirmed and announced by God, identified as his Son and chosen. And we are in relationship to him. But it also calls into question, who are we? You know, we work with, I work with young kids a lot, and you kind of expect them to be kind of figuring out who they are. We think of that as a young kid thing. And I was thinking the other day, it's mainly an old guy thing because 
I feel like I still haven't got it figured out and I don't have as much time left to figure it out, so it becomes more urgent. Who am I? What is God calling me to do? What does he want from me? And so it's, it's um, something that we struggle with, our identity. Who, who am I? Where do I find my happiness and fulfillment? Where do I find my joy? Where do I find my place in God's economy? And I told the kids this morning three things, just briefly. One is to remember that God, that we're made in the very image of God. Made by him to bear his image. And he delights in us and we find our value not from what we've accomplished, not from how popular we are, not from how big our bank account is. We are valuable in his eyes because we're his child. We might have messed up, we might have been away from him. Whatever it is, we're his child and he made us in his image. Second thing is that Jesus is remaking us. We have fallen away from his original intent. We've sinned, we've got lost, we've rebelled, etc. But Jesus is always there with his arms open inviting us. And so we come into the presence of the living word of God to be transformed into his image. And so we come as you have today just to be in his presence, just to respond to his invitation, just to obey his command. And in prayer, in that intimacy, we discover we're on the journey of discovering who we are. Not only the living word, but the written word. As it says in the Peter passage today, that this scriptures are inspired by God and we need to be reading them. We need to be challenged by them. We need to be excited by them and inspired by them. But if we don't know the stories, that won't happen. So we do, I'd really encourage you guys, thanks to see Nicole over there. Nicole is a Bible teacher. You know, and I know that a lot of you go to a Bible study and we have other Bible studies going on, but just to get with other people. And the third thing is um, that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts so that we can accomplish the mission he calls us to. See, it's not about Peter saying, let's build a tent and prolong it. Jesus is here in a special way. We meet with God in a special way. He's here in a special way, but he's doing a special work out there amongst the homeless, amongst the children who don't have enough to eat, amongst the women who can't get a job. And so St. Francis gets involved with the Woodview schools. You know, it's like a mile away from here. Kids who come up, come to school hungry and can't learn because they're hungry. And so St. Francis is getting behind them. The Linda Sadler Fund, lots in the homeless, the beacon with the homeless. Uh, it's dress for success when you guys bring your dresses in so people can go to an interview well-dressed. Uh, boys and girls country. We're doing an amazing thing. You, I just am so proud of St. Francis. But it's that kind of thing, the whole, that's who, where we discover what our gifts are, and who we are, what God has called us to be. And so we go on. We discover who we are in relationship to who God is, a God who made us and loves us, who meets with us week by week, who equips us for ministry, and then drives us out into the world. As afraid we might be, as confused, it's such a challenging world. And getting more challenging for our young people, social media and ethical issues. And so we need to be responsive to him. And so let's keep that picture of Jesus, a glimpse of his glory, but also that he, he who went to the cross challenges us to take up our cross and to follow him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.